The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And at HornFM.com. My name is Craig White. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you this morning. You don't know how glad I am to be with you this morning. I know you've already heard some of the uh, Cliff's Notes of... uh, my adventure on I-35 again. We're going to save that for inconceivable. I, I, I'll get to that. Uh, but uh, already, for the folks who've uh, been in contact with me, I'm 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 doing fine and glad to be ready to bring you alongside Roger Wallace and Will Matthews and our Longhorn Radio Network broadcast crew from Learfield tonight. The Valero Alamo Bowl inside the Alamo Dome between the Longhorns and the Washington Huskies. Joined, as always, by my co-host, although uh, we're separated by the 79.8 miles. Uh, Actually, that's the actual distance from the Alamo Dome itself to the UT campus. I remember that because uh, one of the years when it was in the Final Four and the Texas women's basketball team was a legitimate contender to make the Final Four, they had T-shirts that just said 79.8 on the back because that was their mission. Alas, they did not accomplished that mission that year but I do remember that it was 79.8 miles from the UT campus to the Alamo Dome so uh, given the fact that at the team headquarter hotel here uh, at the Marriott River Center it's you know a half a mile from it so it's 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 okay to say we're about 79 miles uh, apart he would be he would be uh, my co-host the pride of Northwest Williamson County and a proud graduate of Florence High School always and and uh, you know him best First outstanding work at Horns 24-7. That would be Jeff Howe. How are you doing this morning? Craig, I'm sorry my Fairburg, uh, my new place of residence, didn't treat you all that well yesterday. So. Well, uh, th- 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 I'll tell you what. San Marcos' finest were pretty good. They were pretty good. Well, they were re- responsive. The uh, San Marcos Police Department and the San Marcos Marshal, it said, on the side of one of the uh, vehicles came in. They were they were very responsive. So all of that worked out. Um the driver who lives in Austin, I, I know that after an exchange of information. Uh, uh, I, I never spoke with him, by the way, so we'll, we'll get to that uh, coming up. But uh, he was from Austin, not from San Marcos. So San Marcos itself uh, did well to help me out yesterday. But uh, And, again, we'll, we'll get to all that. So first, you got that first, going first, for you. I'll just say this much, and then we'll save the rest for inconceivable. I was involved uh, in a um, – yeah, you could say it was a high-speed collision. I wasn't going that high speed. The dude that ran into me from behind was, uh, but but I wasn't. But uh, we'll get to we'll get to all of that coming up, uh, and uh, and and glad to be here and glad to be getting ready. And Jeff will motor right back down I thirty. You've been burning up and down I thirty five all this week between Alamo Dome or Alamo Bowl press conferences and your home digs there in San Marcos. I'll say this, you know, this is, I was talking to uh, my buddy Chris Dukes yesterday, and, uh, you know, I covered an Alamo Bowl in 2003. Somehow they credentialed me for that. Uh, This is my sixth Alamo Bowl, and I got to tell you, Craig, this is by far the most pleasant experience I've had during a bowl week with the Alamo Bowl. 
Well, until yesterday, it was mine, too. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, everything yeah. else has been really good. Everything else, the Alamo Bowl uh, media representatives and stuff have been great. Uh, we were able to bring uh, folks the broadcast from the Alamo Dome yesterday and uh, bring the news conference live with the two head coaches. We'll hear from uh, Sark coming up in a little bit. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, the uh, team hotel, uh, but both of the hotels down here have been, been uh, very, very accommodating this 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 town uh is uh with with all due respect and there's plenty of due respect for our good friend jeff trailer who is the voice and the heartbeat and the eyes and ears and and the very soul of the utsa roadrunner football program he is all of that and what he's done with that program is remarkable with all due respect to him um since they're not playing and the longhorns are in their town uh, there's lots of Longhorn fans down here, and I, I had uh, tweeted out a picture of that flag on top of that old, the old tower building there that was a Texas flag, and that brought about some umbrage from uh, from some UTSA fans. You guys don't have this town. You don't have another place. Oh, yeah, we'll take a look, blah, 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 and it was uh, all of that. Hey, listen, Austin, Texas is the home of the University of Texas, but then there's nothing wrong with uh, – within taking up some temporary residency since Christmas Eve down here to get ready for a bowl game because we do know, uh, in addition to everywhere else in this state, there are large, large uh, uh, collections of Texas X's and Longhorn fans, and San Antonio probably has about as many as just about any of the major markets, uh, including Dallas and Houston, uh, outside of Austin. So, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, there's there's plenty to, for, uh, uh, for Longhorn fans to get excited about, and and, uh, and the chance to finish the season on a really nice note tonight. Texas is playing in the Alamo Bowl, and last night Mac Brown coached in the Holiday Bowl, so all is status quo in the, in the college football world. Yeah. Right bowl season. Hey, Craig, real quick, I, I do want to direct uh, everybody to Horns 24-7 because there's two articles I've got up right now that we won't be able to really get into today, but I did two kind of long-form, in-depth pieces. Uh, one on Jalen Ford, his season, his rise, uh, and kind of what's next for him. Uh, there, that piece is up on the site as well as uh, a, a long-form piece on Jatavian Sanders, just how much patience and hard work and buy-in took him from kind of a, a, a toolsy five-star athlete out of Denton Ryan to being a complete tight end and the long, long, long-awaited answer Texas has looked for at that position long before Sark uh, set foot on campus. So those two, uh, one story on Jalen Ford, and one on Jatavian Sanders up at Horns 24-7. As a matter of fact, uh, Jalen Ford's mom uh, replied on Twitter saying the article was nice. So I, I appreciate that a great deal. Nice. Okay. So there it is. Want to make sure folks can avail themselves of that. Go to Horns247.com uh, to, uh, uh, to have the opportunity to do that. Okay. Um, the uh, Like I said, there's, there's uh, some other thing. We have a Longhorn Notebook. Uh, and and uh, the Longhorn Notebook this morning, Jeff, you're going to get into keys, right? Yes, two notebooks. One, first one, we'll do three matchups to watch tonight in the Alamo Bowl, and then the second notebook, three keys to a Longhorn victory. Very good, very good. So uh, so, so there's that. We do have a, a little bit of sound I want to get to here uh, in, the, uh, in the first segment. And, and uh, again, th- this happened on our watch yesterday. Uh, during the, the news conference that we brought to everybody live from the Alamo Dome. But there were a couple of things that stuck out to me when I went back through and I listened uh, even as I got back to the hotel pretty late last night after all of the stuff that happened 
on 35 uh, when I when I got back. Um, uh, I, I went back through and and uh, you know went through the whole news conference again and listened to some things and there were a couple of things uh, that I thought were uh, were were pretty noteworthy. But I think we we talked a little bit about them yesterday. But one of those uh, was something and and uh, and I used it this morning in uh, the, the Craigway report this morning. But in case folks didn't hear that. Uh, this I, I thought it was interesting because it's brought about a great deal of conversation. Um, the running backs. We talked about it yesterday, Jeff, and and uh, there's a there's I would describe it as a general uh, curiosity uh, from Longhorn fans to see what happens tonight with Keelan Robinson, with Jonathan Brooks, and with Jaden Blue to see those guys uh, who carries the ball more. How do they use each of them? We've seen how. Uh, Sark has used Keelan Robinson this year in a variety of ways. Brooks uh, and, uh, and Blue certainly much more the traditional running backs. And uh, this was one of the uh, the questions that was put to him is that how uh, is he planning to use the running backs and uh, does he plan to use all three? And Sark was ready to answer in the affirmative. Yeah, all three of those guys will play. You know, obviously Keelan is not a young guy. Keelan's a veteran player for us. You know, he's been with me his true freshman year when he was at Alabama. So I think he's very comfortable systematically with what we do. Obviously just hasn't had the opportunities, but when he's gotten his opportunities, he's been an explosive player for us. He's provided a lot of versatility to our offense. Jonathan, in the opportunities he's had from a year ago to this year, every time he's gotten the ball, he's played well for us. And then we're obviously all really excited about Jaden Blue. He's a guy that's probably matured as much or more than any of our true freshmen from spring ball till now. So we're fortunate. It's a talented group. Now they're going to get their opportunity to go play and play at a high level against a good team. Now, Jeff, I know you have, uh, like I said, uh, keys are talking about and, and all of that, and we're going to get to those things certainly in our Longhorn notebooks. But mm-hmm. uh, but I also did find it interesting when Sark talking about those running backs. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, certainly the, uh, the question – that I have for him, one of the questions that I'll have for him in our pregame interview will be about these three guys because, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of curiosity. A lot of folks are very uh, optimistic on what they think they might be, at a, be, able, be able to see. It's just it, it, what makes it all the more fascinating is those three guys, uh, a, a true freshman, a redshirt freshman, a junior, are being asked to step in and fill a void of, of 2,500 rushing yards uh, this season. But I do think on one night, one or more of those guys are capable of having a big night. Well, you're going to need to run the ball, Craig, for two reasons. I'll get into another interesting number. But Texas is 5-0 and this year when they run the ball at least 40 times. They ran it 50 times against Oklahoma, 43 against Iowa State, 40 against K-State, 57 against Kansas, 48 against Baylor. Now, what you don't have is you your margin for error shrinks. Just And, and it's nothing against Keelan Robinson, who – on a per-touch basis, has been your most explosive player on offense this year. Or Jonathan Brooks, who, you know, like Sark said, we've seen every time he's touched the ball, he's been productive. It's not a knock on those guys. It's just your margin for error was much greater when you had Bijan Robinson, his ability to maximize runs. We talked about it with Bijan, Craig. I, I, very few backs I've seen at Texas or that you can think of at Texas through the years that did a better job as good or a better job than Bijan did of maximizing runs, whether that's breaking tackles, evading guys, whatever it is, he was that good. And, and we know Roshan brings a different dynamic to the table, but he had the ability to maximize runs. So 
you know, you don't have that dynamic, but you still need, not only because you've been successful when you've been able to establish the ground game, you need balance in this offense. I mean, if you really hear Sark talk about the offense, I know we get caught up in the explosive plays and want to throw the ball down the field and the vertical passing game and all that, but Sark at his core wants to be, wants to have an offense that plays with a physical edge and that can run the ball even when the opponent dictates, hey, we want to take a, take away the run. Can you still run the football? So that's key. The, the better Sark says it all the time, Craig. The more things they can do better, the harder they are to defend. If Texas can establish the run, get the run game going, that's going to open up the rest of the offense. It opens up your play action game. Uh, it takes defenders out of the box uh, to open up things a little bit better. Can it makes them make a, makes the opponent make adjustments on the fly. So, for a lot of reasons, the running game is, is critical tonight. And I, I would hope. That even though you don't have Bijan and Roshan, I would hope that at least the plan is still, hey, see if you can run the football. Yeah, I I know that they probably feel they can throw the football against uh, this Washington secondary and and have some success. Uh, they're 91st in the country in the pass defense. However, as we know, they can you know they can. Uh, they can rush the passer. I mean, you got Jeremiah Martin, the A&M transfers, got eight and a half sacks. Uh, you know, uh, there, there are several guys on that defensive front and in their front seven who can really cause problems for, for an opposing offense. So if they are to throw the football with regularity tonight, the other crucial thing I, I, I think that's popping in my mind is going to, they're going to have to be able to protect the offensive line. It's going to have to have a good good night tonight to give Quinn Ewers enough time to find receivers. Look no further, Craig. I love football outsiders, what they do, because they track line of scrimmage statistics. They've got some advanced statistics to gauge line of scrimmage play. The Washington defensive front, second in the country in sack rate. It's basically taking the number of dropbacks, dividing it by how many sacks you've got, and that's how effective you are on a down-to-down basis getting to the quarterback. Washington's second in the country in sack rate. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mentioned Obviously, Jeremiah Martin has eight and a half sacks. Braylon Trice has eight and, uh, has eight sacks. Even in the interior defensive guy, uh, line, Fai Tui Tuatele uh, is is a guy who puts pressure on the quarterback. And Tui Leto, uh, Leto Liga Desoa. Well, I knew I was going to mess this up. Let me say, <laughs> let Leto Liga uh, Leto Liga. So no, I've got a few hours to figure it out. You got some pre- uh, I was going to say you got some prep to do when you get back up to the room. <laughs> Uh, it's it's Ledu. I, I practiced this. It was Ledu Liga Sanoa. That's it. It's Tui Ledu Liga Sanoa. Uh, he's he puts pressure on the quarterback as well. Uh, so there's there's several guys who can do that. Uh, Alfonso Tupatalo, uh, the uh, the middle linebacker, is a guy that also can cause a lot of problems. So yeah, there the, you're right. Uh, and uh, and I like what you're talking about about what. Uh, you know, pro football focus outlines in terms of the Husky defense and, and how the Longhorns have to be prepared for that. So, and Kyle Flood, yeah, and Kyle Flood made a really good point, and, and I don't think this should be lost on anybody. Made a really good point in the press conference on Tuesday. Washington is one of the few defenses Texas has faced this year. You know, Alabama's definitely one of those defenses. Iowa State's one of those defenses that can really just play you in a straight up base defense and have success just because they're that good. They don't need to get super exotic at least they haven't to this point they don't need to get super exotic and and throw a lot of junk at you to be successful so that's that's something to watch too that trench battle 
Craig, can, can Texas get Washington to the point where they feel like, all right, maybe we need to mix fronts, maybe we need to stunt, do some different things. You can't just play Texas, go against this Texas offensive line playing straight up. Yep, a- absolutely. So that's uh, that's what's going to be uh, one of the one of the things uh, to watch as well. Obviously, uh, the things that Jeff's going to outline are going to be important here in these two Longhorn notebooks, and then uh, in our uh, pregame. Uh, tonight, Roger and Will and I also outlined uh, some. We, we'll break it down into three uh, specific and separate keys. There could be many, many different keys to this game tonight, but we'll break it down into the into uh, three separate ones that we look at uh, as well. So I, I like what you said about uh, with regard to your piece on Jatavian Sanders, uh, the, the the way that the guys blossomed. What, what did you describe him as? You said a guy with uh, multiple tools. Uh, how, how was it that you had? Yeah, just him a he, moment ago? he was a toolsy guy coming out of Denton Ryan, right? Like that's yeah, a great way to describe. Yeah, it. like we, we, you didn't really know kind of where he best fit, but the two things he did really well at Ryan, the two things he specialized in, being a he was not like I think it's really important to reinforce this, Greg. If you didn't see Jatavian Sanders, which hey, by the way, we're 18 minutes in and we have not introduced our, our erstwhile producer. Our erstwhile producer has been quiet for the entire 18 minutes. Well, I've kept him busy because I sent all kinds of stuff to him (laughs) last night because he's helping me uh, prepare for the network broadcast. You know, when you hear uh, the produced broadcast open, it has dramatic music and highlights and sound bites and stuff. And when you hear uh, the opposing coach feature and the things he talked about, when you hear uh, several of the things, yeah, that's Jonathan John Donaldson. That's J.J. Donaldson. We know him as Snoop Daniel. That's his touch Mm. on the broadcast. He has his fingerprints all over. At least our pregame show, anyway. How you doing this morning, Snoop? I'm good. I'm good. No, this is a, a big day. I'm I'm, not, I'm I'm taking a back seat. I'm I'm a fan as well. I think a fan is, is kind of like a has a bad moniker these days. Have you seen that, Jeff? How if, if you get called a fan, it's kind of like a diss. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Uh, like for a media member? Yeah, or yeah, I don't know. They just it's call just, you a fanboy. Like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fanboy. Like, yeah, in the Urban Dictionary, like, you a fan. Like, that's, supposed, <laughs> that's like a diss. But, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan today. I don't care. Hook him. <laughs> so, now, I want to make sure I understand this correctly, Snoop. Mm-hmm. Did you just say that now to be called a fan is, is a disrespectful yes. term? Yes, it is. Wow. I know. It's terrible, right? Yes. How, how, how was that connoted in the uh, – or defined, say, in the Urban Dictionary? How was that – because it's got to be more than just just saying you're a fan because, you know, fans the fan was short for fanatic, as we all know. You know, in the, in the original uh, vernacular, the, uh, the, the term for fans was not fans and it was not fanatics. It was cranks. That's what they – C-R-A-N-K. Yeah, cranks. that means something totally different in today's lexicon. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. But that's what it meant like in the early 20th century, uh, people going to baseball games Crank who were known as cranks. Boy. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but then, it, but then it transitioned into fanatics or fans for short, and and that's still the general accepted. 
term is fans, all the fans that will be here, blah, blah, blah. But you're saying in the Urban Dictionary. This is new. It's a, it is, this is not a complimentary term? Correct. And, like, and, and the kids will tell you this is, this is something that's new. I, uh, so, yeah, so you heard Okay, it here's first. the problem there. We've got kids running the world, okay? Here's the this is the gr- grumpy old man. Right? He said, what do you mean the kids will tell you it's wrong? Who, who told the kids they were in charge know. of what's wrong know. with that? Well, you know, like, okay, I don't, I'm not going to soapbox on this, but, like, <laughs> when the kids, like, they just know the trends, like, months, yeah. months before the world does. For whatever I know, reason, I understand. They're, but yeah. they're fine anyway. But yeah, fan. I don't care. I I still respect the original term. But I'm just saying that there. If, if, if you hear somebody say a fan, somebody's gonna be like, "Wow, I can't believe they called him that." You do you, Snoop. Yeah. <laughs> you be you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But my point is, by bringing in Snoop, the three of us saw Jatavian Sanders at Den Ryan. Yeah. And. Unless you saw him, you really have to reinforce like he was not like a flex tight end or a move guy. Like he was a legit wide receiver. He also played defense, but those skills Craig needed to mesh together because of how the tight end has to function in Steve Sarkeesian's offense. And, and Sark has said time and again, the tight end is the most important position in his offense, other than quarterback. And I, I tried to get into the nitty gritty with JT about it uh, earlier this week, and he said, as a tight end in this offense, you've got to know every run scheme. Every protect, every protection, every route concept from every position on the field. Uh, you've got to know the be cognizant of the offensive line calls and know those. He said it's just so much to digest, and he admitted that he's like everybody was expecting me you know, to come in and have this impact because I was a five star prospect. He said, but I just wasn't. Re-. He admitted he said I wasn't ready last year. He hadn't taken that next step, but uh, he bought in to to being a tight end. Uh, Jeff Banks put in a lot of time, invested a lot. And Jatavian Sanders, and, and he talked about, you know, he felt like with Sark and Jeff Banks, Kyle Flood, that offensive staff really investing in him, it made it to where he felt like it was worth buying into to try to become a complete tight end. You know, Craig, in the day, now that we're in the day and age of the transfer portal and one-time transfer, a guy like Jatavian Sanders might not stick around. for In a year where you go through a whole year as a tight end, you don't get a single pass thrown your way throughout a 12-game regular season. A lot of guys would have hit the portal. He didn't, and now... If he catches two balls tonight, he breaks David Thomas's school record for receptions by a tight end in a season. I think he's also 61 yards away from breaking the single-season receiving yardage record in school history for a tight end. So just a phenomenal year for him, uh, but it's, it's patience, it's, it's hard work, and it's buy-in from him to make this thing work. Yeah, um, you know, the, the, the other thing – that uh, that that comes to mind about this is that, it, and you made a great point when you said that, uh, you know, J.T. Sanders, uh, w- we all saw him in high school. Snoop, when you saw him, it was in a state championship game against Cedar Park, yes. correct? Yes, yes. Okay. I had seen him several times during the year. In fact, I'd done the, the uh, state title game that they had lost uh, prior to uh, Shadow Creek, and, um, and I'd seen him in a couple other games and a lot of highlight footage. And what I saw during that time, and, and I think that's why your, your comment about tools is well stated, Jeff, because what I saw was a guy that would flash different things to you. It's like if you, if you, you Linda gave me a new laptop uh, for, uh, for Christmas. So she gave me a new uh, laptop, and the, 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 like any other new electronic toy or electronic thing, um, there are all sorts of little extra features. And 
things may light up or do this or do that or you can you can have this at it and you might not use any of them or, or very few of them over time but those tools are there and I think a lot of us when we were watching JT Sanders saw a lot of those little features the one-handed grabs as a wide receiver yeah the the deflect the pass with one hand yes. and then pull it in for an interception right we saw those things without fully knowing and understanding exactly where he was best suited. Sark never, never wavered in his evaluation of him. When, when all the folks were saying, oh, they got to convert why is he? why are they wasting him on offense last year when he wasn't playing? He's, he should be a defensive end. Uh, why, why is he? Sark said from day one, I saw him as a tight end, and I knew he could be a big play tight end. And, and that's evaluative process at work there, Jeff. But, you know, it's it's being able to see that. And it's like when Jack Nicholas walks onto a piece of property and looks out of her acres and acres of land and goes, okay, you can put a dog leg there and you can put a lake there and you can put the green there and this will be a par four and it'll bend back to par five. Is that vision for that. Yeah. And, and I think Sark had that vision with J.T. Sanders. Some had that vision, but a lot of people did not because a lot of people saw – the flash, and um, they, um, uh, yeah, uh, you know, a, a lot of people saw the flash, but they didn't know exactly where the best gifts were going to be utilized. I, I was so all, that, that's what came yeah, I, I've said this before, I'll say it again, I was firmly on board of, hey, this guy needs to play defense until I saw him in person. As I know, yeah. this guy is too, spe- is too special of a skill athlete, has too good a hands to not be able to help you win football games on offense. Yeah. So, I mean, and all of that rolls back to our original conversation about the progress of this team, the progress of this specific team, the progress of this program, the development of the guys in the program. And tonight is another step toward that when I mention the running backs for the future as we bring it all full circle here. It's about what this staff is doing. And you made a great point yesterday, Jeff, when you talked about uh, where you see things headed with Sark that we might not necessarily or, or definitely did not see with some prior coaching staffs. Yeah, guys are getting better. E- even even last year, you know, like I said, like you, you this defensively is where it really stands out because like other than Jade Barron and maybe Ovia Gofu, like you can't point to that many guys on defense in 2021 and say, okay, this guy got better throughout the year. This year, though, on both sides of the ball, some of the guys we've talked about, like we've seen Jonathan Brooks grow. We've seen Keelan Robinson grow. J.T. Sanders, Jalen Ford, Jade Barron continues to improve. Ryan Watts has gotten better throughout the year. Just go down the list. I mean, the interior defensive line, I mean, we haven't seen a ton of them because they rotate six guys through there, but man, Alfred Collins is a much better player right now than he was at the start of the year. Vernon Broughton's a much better player right now than he was in the spring, so... Sart talked about a lot about when he took the job, Craig, and you'll remember this, talked about he wanted Texas to be a great development staff. They wanted to hang their hat on player development, and with a lot of those guys this year, the two guys I wrote about specifically, J.T. Sanders and Jalen Ford, guys are getting better. They're developing guys, and if you can do that on a consistent basis, that's how you get to the point where year in, year out, you're in the conference championship hunt, you're in the college football playoff discussion. That's where the next step hopefully will be taken for this program tonight in the Alamo Bowl. All right, up next, 
Uh, we will have Jeff's uh, first hour-long horn notebook. We do have inconceivable. Yes, the I-35 rack is part of it, but there's a couple other inconceivable items we'll get to as well. Uh, next hour, we'll hear more from Sark. Uh, getting you ready for the Alamo Bowl. There's a lot of, of other things to talk about. We'll do that as well. Uh, Craig Way down here at the team headquarter hotel. Just waved hi to Gary Patterson. He's walking by and said hi. And, uh, you know, uh, then, then saw PK walking by upstairs. So the team is... Uh, finished with their breakfast and their uh, they uh, have their own uh, individual meetings leading up to all of this so they'll do that and head on over was, Co- was uh was coach p walking around with his guitar i saw he had it at the uh the little festivities the other night right. uh, no he did not have his guitar with him uh <laughs> he was just walking through and gave me a big wave from across the atrium where i'm sitting uh, uh doing the program aaron had a good setup here for uh bringing folks uh, his part his half of b and e from down here and we're doing the same thing here from the team headquarter hotel in san antonio more of light the tower to come on here on the horn 1049 1019 am 1260 we're live local and digital on the horn app and at horn. i got a feeling that uh snoop is trying to send me a message there with uh hurt so good and talking about that car wreck yesterday uh that's Coming up in Inconceivable. Was that your message on this, Snoop, was to uh, bring back with some bump back with some melon camp? and? Uh, I just hope uh, that you don't take Xanax and mistake it for pain pills to, to ease your pain. <laughs> hey, that's one of the highlights of the year of 2022. What do you say, Jeff? When, when uh, Snoop did the Xanax. Oh, and, yeah. How long, were, how long were you out? Uh, 15, 15 hours. 15 hours, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you took what was called what do they call it? A bar. A bar. You took yeah, you you uh you took a whole bar of it and folks were like, Snoop, my gosh, you're still alive, you're still with us. So scary moment there. Hmm. One of one of Snoop's um <laughs> one of his one of his learning moments, you might Learned say. a lot this year, let me tell you. Have you felt more yeah. well rested since then though, Snoop? Uh yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to find some upside for I, you. Yeah, well, I've never slept that much before, and I definitely felt like I was rested. Well, that's good. Except for the being high part, resting yeah. and high. Because <laughs> that was okay. weird coming down off the anyway. Welcome. Longhorn notebook? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Silver yeah, lining, yeah. Snoop. Silver yeah, lining. Yeah. Silver, uh, yeah, so uh, this is our Silver Linings Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. See what I did there? Okay. Uh, this is a uh, Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert. Be sure to check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com, B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K, bowersockteam.com. See if she can do for you what she did for Linda and me, and that was to help us get that home loan approval turned around in a snap. She is, after all, the person who can make that 10-day home loan approval guarantee. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. All right, uh, let's get to that meat and potatoes of what Jeff is promising us here on this notebook. Yeah, it's uh, interesting that uh, piece of feedback on the Specs text line last segment when we were talking about guys who've gotten better, players who've developed. Texter text in says, Christian Jones got better throughout the year. He did. And that's my number one matchup is the Texas offensive line against the Washington defensive line. I wouldn't go the other way, Craig, because the Texas defensive line has been one of the best in the country this year. They've consistently been good throughout 12 games. With the exception of that first drive in the Kansas State game and maybe the last eight minutes or so of the TCU game, nobody consistently 
one against this Texas defensive line. They were really good throughout the year. And so I'm, Washington's offensive line is good. I'm just not expecting them to just come out and, you know, roll Texas off the ball and consistently reestablish the line of scrimmage. No knock on Washington. Just we know the Texas defensive line is that good. And like we said throughout the week, they're playing with a full deck. They've got the full complement of players up front. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So that's why the trench battle for me, especially like I mentioned earlier, without Roshan Johnson and B. John Robinson, it's on the Texas offensive line. They can win against Washington, Craig. I know you look at the raw rushing numbers. Craig, do you have that in front of you where Washington ranks defensively against the run? Yes, I do. I'm going to pull it right back up. And is defensively against the run, fifth in the Pac-12, 35th in the nation. Okay. Here are some advanced statistics, though. According to Football Outsiders, they're 91st in line yards per carry and opportunity rate, 74th in stuff rate, 63rd in power success rate. Pro Football Focus ranks Washington's defense number 112 overall in the country. They're one of the worst Power, one of the worst FBS and one of the worst Power 5 run defenses in the country. And when you look at their defensive success rate, according to CFB graphs, their rushing success rate on defense is 106th in the country. So for all, all the reasons we talked about in the last segment, how you need offensive balance to make things make Sark's offense work, they're 5-0 and this year when they run the ball at least 40 times. And by the way, Craig, do you off the top of your head know Steve Sarkeesian's record at Texas? Off the top of my head, it's. I want to say it's uh, the Texas record, not the, yes. not 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 his overall coaching record. Right. It, it, it's something like it's something like thirteen and uh, ten, thirteen and eleven, 13, something like yes, that. Yes, thirteen and eleven. And would it surprise you to know that in twelve of those thirteen wins, Texas has won the rushing yardage battle? Well, there you go. So they've got, and like we said, Washington's defensive line, according to Football Outsiders, second in the country in sack rate. So tech, the Texas offensive line, it's going to be on them to protect Quinn Ewers, help these young, help these inexperienced running backs. Keelan Robinson's experienced, but all, you know the West Virginia game last year is the only game where we've really seen him be a tailback when you had. Bijan Roshan out with injuries. So limited experience for Keelan is like a full time tailback. So. It's only a lot's going to be on the offensive line to succeed. Matchup number two, Craig, Diamante Tucker Dorsey against Michael Penix. Now, DeMarvin Overshone and Jalen Ford developed a great rapport playing together. I talked about the interception Jalen Ford had in the Kansas game, where both of those guys said they had worked a lot on, you know, how to take that in that certain call if the quarterback breaks contain. Hey. Demo's going to take the quarterback. Jalen Ford peels off, takes takes DeMarvion's guy, and that's what led to Jalen Ford getting the interception. Really good rapport those two built. I'm not expecting Jalen Ford and Diamante Tucker Dorsey, Craig, to have the same rapport. On top of that, I think Pete Kwiatkowski, he's got to give up something. He's got to try to take away something from Washington, and likewise, you're going to be you're going to give up something. 
I think Pete Kwiatkowski is going to try to take away the deep ball. Do you realize, Craig, of Michael Penix's 29 touchdown passes, 14 of them have come on throws of 20 yards or more down the field. It's by far, in terms of distance, the area where he has the most success in terms of touchdowns. So I would expect Texas to take away the deep ball. What's that going to open up? The middle of the field. We talked about not just for Texas, but in this day and age where teams want to spread you horizontally and they want to stretch you vertically, the middle of the field up to 19 yards in between the numbers, that's really where defenses or offenses can attack you. Can Diamante Tucker Dorsey play with his head on a swivel and not be the guy that Washington consistently picks on? As kind of he is really Craig, and this is no disrespect to him. If you look at all the other pieces of this defense, attacking him is the path of least resistance. So that matchup, and Michael Penix is a guy, he will run every now and then, but really what he's looking to do, he's looking to extend the play, get out of the pocket, use his legs to keep a throwing option open down the field, and when you slip up in coverage, that's when he's going to make you pay. So I don't know if you agree with me on that, Craig, if you're with me on that, but I think that matchup, Tucker Dorsey against Michael Penix, that to me defensively is what's going to go a long way toward deciding this game. Uh, no, I agree with you completely. And and how they deal with Penix is a major part of how they can uh, win this football game or keep it right in a position where they can win it. By the way, a little bonus fact about Tucker Dorsey. Sark told me this yesterday. Best singer at karaoke the other night. Really? He said, I know that I'm upsetting um, Keandre Coburn when I say this. I know I'm uh, upsetting. He, he he mentioned one other player. Uh, he said when I when I, when I say this, he said. But Tucker Dorsey was the best singer of the whole group. He gets he knows every song. He goes, it was it was amazing. He just knew every song. Whatever whatever song would go up, he could he could do it. He could launch into it and do it well. So so you got that going for him too. You know, which is nice. Something else. That. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Mo Blackwell is going to be in that spot too. David Bendo will be in that spot in place of Demarvin Overshawn. Here's another thing, Craig, that's really cool about Tuck. Uh, he put out a, a message on Twitter a few days ago, uh, you know, saying they're in a tight spot. His mom needed help, some some help covering medical bills. Uh, the goal, his goal to raise money was sixty thousand dollars. He raised that in twenty four hours with James Madison people, Texas fans. Uh, donating to the cause, so shout out to everybody that helped uh, help Tuck and his family out in a tight spot. That's that's really cool to see. Sixty k, Craig, in less than twenty four hours. You know, every year, Jeff. I know you know this. Every year, there is a University of Texas, at least one, and usually far more than that. But there's usually at least one uh, University of Texas student athlete in every sport in every sport, who can only, through his eligibility, give one year of himself to the school, but who makes the most of that one year and does an awful lot. And Tucker Dorsey's one of those guys. When called upon, and he obviously wasn't always on the field at times when uh, when they were in that, that nickel look or, or, you know, if they're going with one less linebacker and DeMarvey and Overshone and Jalen Ford were having the types of seasons that they had, but when he was out there and asked to perform, I mean, he, he's graded out very high. You know, the, the, the coaches were very pleased with his work. And and, and I think it's significant that, that you point him out as one of the key matchups there against Michael Penix. And also just a great program guy. Mm-hmm. And all of these sports, that's one of the, the stories I, I really 
gravitate to and like best about uh, broadcasting games is getting to know the, the, some of these guys and, and women on, on you know with women's basketball or softball who have one year to give to the program and they don't waste it and uh, and and then there are some who who don't make the most of it there's there's no doubt about it that that just you know for whatever reason could never get going it might have been a you know, an issue uh, for uh, Jaleel Billingsley with, with uh, the NCAA issue there. And Ajay Hall had his, his problems off the field. There, there are always going to be um, some athletes who, for whatever reason, don't make the most of their opportunity or circumstances don't dictate that they get to make the most of their opportunity. But then there's guys like Demonte Tucker-Dorsey and, and uh, players from baseball and basketball. I was going to say, Mike, Antico, Mike Antico is one that jumps out to me right off the bat. Absolutely, that's a golden example of that. And, and by the way, I think we're seeing it right now with Shayla Gonzalez on the women's basketball team, uh, the BYU transfer. I mean, she stepped in and had to play when Rory Harmon was hurt, had to play the point. She's really much better as an off guard, and now that Rory's back, and Rory Harmon, by the way, in case you didn't notice, Last night had 15.6 rebounds and 10 assists uh, in in their win over Texas A&M Commerce, 96-53. But Shayla Gonzalez is doing what she does best, and that's being a dead-eye shooter. So she's another one. And and, uh, you can find it in a variety of sports. That's one of the cool stories about the student-athletes at Texas that makes it so much fun to cover. Uh, all right, coming up next. Well, hold we on, Craig. I've got I've got one one more key. Oh, we've, yeah, we've I'm sorry. Yeah, no, sure. you're good. Uh, by the way, Tuck's GoFundMe for his mom. Uh, they've raised over sixty four thousand dollars now with over eleven hundred donations. That's just awesome to That's see. Uh, last matchup to watch: Quinn Ewers and Xavier Worthy against the Washington secondary. We know Texas has struggled throwing the deep ball, right? Quinn Ewers this season: fifteen of forty four on passes of twenty yards or more down the field. Xavier Worthy on targets to him 20 yards or more down the field. He's been targeted 39 times. He's only caught nine of those passes, Craig. With that said, Washington's defense has given up 40 completions of 20-plus yards. That's the fifth fifth most in the Pac-12, and it's tied for number 70 nationally. They've also given up 22 completions of 30-plus yards. That is 10th in the Pac-12, tied for 106th nationally so there are going to be opportunities for texas to go down the field and and try to hit the deep ball you're gonna have to keep pace with washington they're gonna get explosive plays which we'll talk about in our next notebook they're gonna get their share of chunk yards and points you've got to be able to hit some of those deep shots if you want to keep pace with washington and what i'm expecting to be a track meet tonight you know a number that that Pro Football Focus could not possibly have because this doesn't it, – it, it involves, uh, to this point, zero, zero statistics uh, from his college time. But it would be really interesting to see because I know from personal experience from seeing it, and that number is how well does Quinn Ewers perform in domed stadiums? Because I can tell you, in domes, he lit it up. Even when they lost to Westlake, remember he hit R.J. Maryland, uh, who's now at SMU, on mm-hmm. a big big shot. And he had uh, the, the kid, um, gosh, I forgot his name, went to Minnesota and now was transferred back to, I think, the Texas Tech. Um, they, they, uh, he hit some deep balls on that. He'd done it in other games, both at uh, uh, the Ford Center in Frisco and uh, also at, at uh, Jerry World. I was going to say, at, set, yep. set, when he was there, Southlake played – 
more than one or two games at the Ford Center. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and he had big games. Now, a lot of that has to do, obviously, with how good South Lake Carroll was, too. But my point is we're talking about pinpointing the accuracy and all that stuff. And, and uh, so, yeah, you'd have to go back to high school to find the last time he played in a dome. You know, through a meaningful pass in a dome. I guarantee you this, and Craig. The wind will not be an issue tonight for Quinn. <laughs> it will not. It will not. All right. Uh, up next, we do have inconceivable. Yeah, the I-35 story is a part of it, but there's more as well. Uh, uh, Jeff Howe is uh, there at our ARN compound. Craig Way with you down here at the Longhorns Team Headquarter Hotel in San Antonio. And we'll continue. What do you think it is? Wow, does it mean a lot of things going here into the end of the calendar year? And, and by the way, Jeff, my last show before uh, the turn of the calendar, because tomorrow, I will be out tomorrow because uh, we have an early departure time with the Longhorn men's basketball team, which will be headed up to Norman to take on the Oklahoma Sooners in the Big 12 Conference opener on Saturday. You should get so, hazard uh, pay for having to spend New Year's Eve in Norman. Um, fortunately, <laughs> it's an afternoon game, so I will be actually back home and hopefully, you know, back in my living room by seven o'clock Saturday night. Well, I, I hate to go tip. to I hate to go to the Caddyshack well more than once a show, but you do have that going for you, which is nice. So, uh, tell you what's not nice. First of all, update on the Southwest Airlines meltdown uh, continued. Uh, supposedly yesterday, they had about. Did you, I know you follow? Uh, uh, the great Gordon Keith from the ticket, it, he he got on a Southwest flight and got out. Said there were apparently like 25 total flights going out of Love Field yesterday. Um, 2,300 more cancellations are scheduled for today. 2,300 more. Now, that's, that's airline-wide. Uh, 129 flights total canceled for all airlines 123 of the 129 are from southwest so uh that's that's what's going on there not only that here's the other bad thing that's happening folks have been checking in with their bags checking their bags to go to a destination yes then finding out that their flight is canceled but somehow their bags left yes i've i've heard about this happening quite a bit oh so uh, that's unfortunate and rather inconceivable, but uh, there was there was that. By the way, um, hey Snoop, since you are since you are Snoop of Wall Street, would it surprise you to know <laughs> that the Southwest stock price is up? Is today? it? Yeah. Uh, is it really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. What what is that's it? Good. What it's up, is it? It's up, uh, dollar, it's up three point seven three percent from yesterday. Okay. Good looking out. I might you know that, that might be one of those like sneaky market picks yeah. to be honest. I think people are ju- it looks like people are just now starting to, to buy the dip. Yeah, so there it's you go. On, it's on, okay. looks like it's on the comeback. Uh, this headline alone grabbed me, Jeff. Russian sausage magnate <laughs> dies after hotel fall in India. <laughs> Get me a Russian sausage. <laughs> what do I have tell to tell you that, that that got my attention there? What do I have to do to become a magnate? Yeah, uh, the, the the headline said Russian sausage magnate turned lawmaker Pavel Antov died in India on Saturday after falling from the third floor of his hotel, according to the Indian police. His death came after his friend and companion, Vladimir Budinov, died of a heart attack on Antov's 65th birthday two days earlier. Probably eating too much uh, sausage. 
clogging the arteries. Uh, yeah, it said Budenhoff uh, did have a pre-existing heart condition. Uh, police believe Antoff died by suicide after falling from the third floor of his hotel, although the post-mortem report has not been released yet uh, for that. Uh, in 2018, just to let you know, he topped the Forbes ranking of the 100 richest civil servants in Russia. His income in 2018 amounted to 9.97 billion rubles, whatever the exchange rate gets you there, 